Welcome to Expert Instruction, the Teach by Design podcast, where we dive deeper into the research surrounding student behavior by talking with the people who implement these practices, where they work, and with the students that they support. How you doing? How you holding up? It's a loaded question, to be sure. I don't always know how to answer it these days either. Well, wherever you are, I hope that you can use the next 40 minutes or so to relax and listen to our incredible guest and how she uses her life experiences to drive her work, guiding the students she calls youth leaders to realize the value of their own histories. Renee Mitchell is our guest today. She is a multi-hyphenate. She's an advocate. She's a poet. She's a teacher. She's a journalist, she's a researcher, she's a PhD candidate, a two-time social-emotional learning innovation award winner, and she's the visionary behind an incredible program called I Am More, which is a culturally specific, strength-based, evidence-grounded, transformative process to help Black youth move through the world as joyful, empowered change agents for themselves and others. Thanks for being with us, Renee. Yeah, I'm glad to be here. Yeah, I'm glad you're here with us too. So let's just kind of start with like an easy, an easy little question. <laughs> um, what brings you to this work? Can you tell us a little bit about your background with, with schools, how you got involved, all of that? Okay, I, I can give you that background. My first my first response was going to be my trauma brought me to this work. Uh, so uh, can be that can be a, that can be your, your answer. Yeah, for sure. It really was an unfolding. So mm-hmm. I I spent twenty five years as a as a newspaper journalist and had a really. <gasps> I got my degree in journalism. Oh, yeah, me too. (laughs) (laughs) And um, so I left the industry when it was just feeling like things were going to go, about to go downhill, like really quickly. So I took a buyout uh, from the Oregonian newspaper. I was a Mm -hmm. columnist there, uh, worked for the Oregonian for 10 years. And um, so me leaving was my attempt to kind of really find out who I was and explore some creative things. So I spent a couple of years doing that. And then I was recruited to come and teach at a high school in North Portland. So it's the most diverse high school. It's um, also low income high school generally. We uh, Everybody had free lunch, for example. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I was the only black teacher and I had never really taught. I mean, I was a teaching artist in schools during that period after I left the paper. Okay, but, like an artist in residence yes, sort of thing? Yes. Okay. But I was not a teacher. I'd like, I like didn't go to teacher school, basically. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So I had to figure it out as I went along because there wasn't a lot of instruction. Yeah. And, um, I, you know, being the only Black teacher, I felt uh, real compelled to be of support to the students there. So I revived the at their request, the Black History Month Assembly. Uh, I was an advisor for the Black Student Union. I started this Black Girl Magic Club. And I was just really engaged in, in student interaction and, and, and supporting them in ways that they needed. So um, fast forward, so three years later, 
um, you know, I help students all the time work on their scholarship applications because writing, you know, that's that was my yeah. Thing, right? Yeah, so yeah. I help them kind of craft uh, their stories when they're writing scholarships. Now, Stand for Children is a national organization that really advocates for education and, and excellence and that kind of thing. So they have this program, scholarship program called Beat the Odds. And so they give out scholarships all over the country. They're $16,000 a piece. So we had gotten... I think one the year before. And um, so the year that I was working, starting all of these, you know, doing all these things, there were three young ladies I helped write, um, I helped them with their application. And um, I didn't write it, but I just helped them with it. And sure. um, there were four winners in Portland. There were 16 around the state, four winners within the city of Portland. Okay. Of the four, three of them were my mentees. Hey. Yes. So I was really proud of that and I was really yeah. proud of them. But I felt like this was this was a this was something special. This was something that didn't happen a lot in Roosevelt where us where we would uh, you know students at our school would get three you know, uh, yeah. these types of, of scholarships. So I said, I, I asked them, I said, I, I feel like it's important that we put a flag in the ground and yeah. see it happened. And so that's how we created uh, I Am More, which is an acronym for making ourselves resilient every day. Now, uh -huh. we had no idea where we were going. Mm -hmm. We just said, let's just figure it out. And so, but, but I had this sense that we we were on the cusp of really creating something that would be transformational within these youth, that they would be able to then be able to share their stories and help other youth work through their own trauma. So that was the initial intention. So the first uh, performance that we had, so we started in like late November, 2018. By January, 2019, we did our first performance. And I'm, I had done theater since I was in high school. And so mm -hmm. I, theater, I was a shy, bullied kid and theater was what really helped me come out of my shell. It was so much easier for me to become someone else than it was to be myself. Yeah. So, but I learned a lot of skills in mm -hmm. theater. And so I used some of that training to help them, you know, really weave their stories together so they didn't have to memorize anything um, because these were their own personal stories. And they were nervous. It was they had not talked about their lives in public before, but we had to create the safe space. And uh, and then they they performed. There were four of them at the microphone. And you could tell that they were nervous, their voice was shaking, they were, you know, they, you saw the fingers coming down. But at the end of that, when the audience stood and gave them a standing ovation, and they were coming to them afterwards in tears and saying, thank you so much, you helped me understand my own life, or, you know, that was very brave of you, I admire you, all of these positive, affirmational yeah. kind of interactions, and it helped the students kind of understand that my story has meaning. And yes by sharing myself, I could support and help someone else. That really solidified it. And because there was such a tremendous outpouring of love uh, after that, they were like, we want to do this again. <laughs> you know, at first it was like, oh, I'm so scared. Yeah. But now it's like, I want to do this again. Oh, the affirmation feels good too. And yeah. Affirmations, and, and it's this, this like subtle thing of adults telling children, your voice yes. matters. I hear oh, it's you. huge. 
I want to learn more about you. You're teaching me things. Yeah, it, there's a transfer of kind of like, there, there's something inside of you that gets birthed when other people acknowledge you and validate you. Right? Uh-huh, uh-huh, so, absolutely. So from there, a couple months later, we were had been invited to our first national conference. We I took six kids to Philadelphia, New York City, and Washington, D.C. They had never been to the East Coast. We were there performing, doing workshops, uh, helping adults learn how to deal with their own trauma and what do youth need from adults in order to be able to, you know, be be their full selves. And these are all kids of color. So this was the first time that they were ever put in that kind of position of agency, having agency and some some authority, really. So it was an amazing trip opened up their minds some more. And, and so, you know, through all of this process, we, we were kind of, we're honing our programming. And so we ended up with this three-step process that we felt like, okay, this is what I am more is all about. Cause we were just trying to figure it out as we were doing it as you go. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Can I ask you really quick too? So you, this all started from this experience that you had with these three students in applying and receiving this scholarship. So what was your work like with them? What was it? What was it about the work that you did with them that you thought I need to do this all the time with more students? Yes. So what, what I was seeing in the process that they went through I was basically telling them, don't just tell your story. You need to own your story. Mm. You need to understand not that this thing happened, but what did this thing teach you about yourself and your capacity and about your compassion and what your purpose is, how it can direct you towards your purpose. And so when I started seeing the kind of effect that that had. Just the pro- just sharing and owning their whole history absolutely Mm -hmm. because we're talking about young people who won the scholarship that had experienced sexual violence uh homelessness poverty hunger all bullying all kinds of stuff right and so how do you take this and make sense of it and Mm -hmm. because they were able to go through this it really transformed how they moved through the world their shoulders were back they were their voice was stronger and we were creating opportunity for them to have platforms where they were sharing their story and also mentoring and facilitating workshops as young people. And you were doing all of this as a, as, as a teacher. Teacher. What was the subject that you were teaching? Okay, so I would say that I, I, w- I was doing this as a teacher because I worked as a teacher. Yes. This was my, my own time. So when I was in the okay. classroom, I was teaching journalism because that okay. was what my background was in. Mm-hmm. But I spent so much other time in the school environment supporting sure. youth on these other issues. Got it. So, so um, this wasn't really a class, except, you know, I used my classroom after school for Black Girl Magic, Black Student Union, you know. And so kids were used to coming and being able to just like, be themselves like you didn't have to explain anything they didn't have to become something or refute something somebody had to say about them they were just who they were and they felt community it was so important to me to just create a sense of community within my classroom i would bring food because you know when you talk about the maslow's uh, you know uh, hierarchy, hierarchy of needs oh well, it's food and rest and yes. what i'm finding because it was a low-income school a lot of kids 
didn't like the school lunch, they didn't taste good. And like immigrants were unaccustomed to how the food was tasting, so right. they were not eating. And so I was seeing this happen happening. And so I was going to like uh, Einstein bagels and getting their day old bagels and buying cream <laughs> cheese and getting on, you know, bananas and oranges and just having that available, just take it if you need it, you know? Yeah. And so I was seeing a lot of kids who were not in my classroom, didn't know them, but they knew when they came in. She's got the bagels. (laughs) Bagel lady. (laughs) She had to use all kinds of things to get kids' attention, right? It's so true. Distrust. Mm -hmm. So I started just doing what I do and loving, you know, from the heart. I mean, I've I've always been a very compassionate uh, a person that that I do my art from my heart. I teach from my heart. I wanna. I don't want to just give you a subject. I want to know. I want you to know how that subject matter really connects with your life and why it's relevant. Yeah. You know, and yeah. journalism. It, you know, it involves some writing. It involves some you know storytelling. And so, using those kinds of skills and incorporating some of that personal stuff into the story felt very natural to me so did you see a shift in students like initially when you first started doing this were they a little bit like how like unsure of how this was all going to work out and then about like when did you start to notice that they were like oh this is a different type of classroom that she's creating for us well as far as my classroom teaching it was it was happening uh, you know pretty quickly. I mean, I yeah. put structures. So I would put structures in place. Like when you come into my class, when we start class, we always mm-hmm. start in the same way. We're in a circle and we're mm-hmm. talking about how was your weekend? How are you feeling? I had this, this um, uh, block and it had things. I feel tired. I feel hungry. I feel grateful. I feel, you know, and so we t- pass that around the room identify how you're feeling. So that was how I first started. Like I wanted to know if you were checked out, emotionally or mentally, I want to say it was because something that happened to you over the weekend or whatever, this was their opportunity to kind of give yeah. that context. Mm-hmm. And it felt like um, students were see- knowing that I was seeing them, right? So they could, yeah. I was, you know, if they wanted to sit underneath their desk, I didn't, I, I wasn't fussing <laughs> and fighting, you know, I, I didn't yeah. force them into this box that we tend yeah. to put them in. And, and the part of that was like, Again, I didn't go to teacher school. I'm just doing <laughs> things that are instinct, instinctive, you know, intuitive, mm-hmm. things that I wish someone had done with me because I yeah. was a lead kid. I was a shy kid. I was a smart kid, but I was ignored. And because I was, you know, the only black kid in my classroom for most of my K through 12 experience. And it was very, it was very hard. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, it's interesting because I was, kind of told you're not college material don't worry about you know I didn't get that kind of support and here I am getting my doctorate degree yeah. so, mm-hmm. but I always knew that I was smart but I didn't hear it from adults and so that was what the students were hearing I was seeing things about them and acknowledging it oh uh, you know did you get a chance to play with your your dog you know uh, you, uh-huh. and I named the dog's name and I, I yes. and, and things that they would tell me I'd ask about how's your brother doing you said he was sick like is he okay you know just be being able to see them, let them be seen, right, makes all the difference. And so it shut, it brings down those barriers, and that uh-huh. would can influence them a little quicker, because they start to develop trust that whatever you are doing is for their best interest, mm-hmm. right? And so the process moves along further. But as far as I am more, yes, 
I felt like they were changing. It didn't take even a month for me to notice the difference between what they what they were before and how they were now. So one person in particular, I can tell you, uh, she's uh, Hmong, right? And she always got teased about using her language. She always had also in immigrant families, the, adult, the older ones tend to have to take care of the siblings while the adults work. And there's a lot of stress and pressure. And so she, my interaction with her was she was very closed off. Yeah. Within uh, um, uh, a few months of engaging with I am more, uh, she 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 joined with a couple of other young ladies, uh, went to the principal and demanded that he put free menstrual cycle projects in the girls' bathrooms and in the gender neutral bathrooms. Yes. So she went from hiding, you know, to speaking not speaking, up. to not only speaking up, but speaking and advocating for other people. Absolutely. Because what I teach them is we rise by lifting others and we find our own sense of purpose by what we do for others. And so it's it's not this constant thing, but they see it led by example. And so these are the kind of things that they pick up because every every young person that comes to IMOR has different needs, different experiences, sure. different stresses. But yeah. so I don't say you got to do it this way. I say this is this is what is available to you at your banquet table. You take what you need and use it to nourish the things that need to be healed in your own life. And so, you know, I the thing is, I grew up people not seeing things in me that I knew was there. And sure. so as an adult, as an influencer, I am looking for things that I could celebrate within that student, uh, within that young person, and letting them know that I see it and allowing them to see it for themselves. And so once you give, once you set that foundation, it doesn't really take that long because they're so unaccustomed to having that, that they gravitate for it and they're wanting it more and more and more. Uh -huh. So, uh -huh. how many students do you have in the program at any given? Do you call it a program, an initiative, a we're, we're class? Trying, yeah, it's it's. <laughs> we're still trying to find the a lifestyle, a brand. What are you? Yeah. Oh, mm -hmm. Um. So we don't. We. Uh, you know. What I'd like to say is that we don't give students something to do. We give them someone to become. So we're not hoarding students. We're not counting students. We're not, you know, they come in and out as they need to. Okay, okay. We, do it. we just offer programming and they can come and take, take partake as much of the programming. So it's available to everyone. Well, we, we started out, when we started out, because of the kids who were really um, drawn to me, uh, were kids of color. For sure. Right? Now we had some white kids. I get that but they were mostly kids of color. And then as we've done this programming, it transitioned into mostly black kids um, because they were bringing their friends. You know what I mean? So I wasn't going out and recruiting anyone. They were just saying, come here, come here, come here, because this is what you need. You need to um, do this. Yes. Mm -hmm. And so we have um, basically offered programming um, so we, like this summer, we had a summer internship where we worked in, in uh, collaboration because I love collaborating. I don't feel like I want to do anything 
by myself, I love to collaborate with other individuals and programs. So we collaborated with the city and county in Portland to offer uh, paid internships for young people. And basically it was a cohort, we had three cohorts and they would come and, and um, experience some of the programming, but this was also most inform first and foremost, first and foremost, yep. <laughs> a safe space for them to deal with all of the things that were coming at them because of the pandemic. So the timing of it was ah. we became this safe space and the programming became secondary. We did mm -hmm. the programming, but we really just wanted kids to, a, a place to come together and talk about what they were experiencing. Mm -hmm. So now this was a summer internship and they felt so connected to their community, it extended until December. Amazing. Right. Incredible. So, so um, we also like, we just finished a poetry contest. Uh, we do these uh, conversations online to, just, you know, again, give kids space to discuss. Um, we, you know, we just provide opportunities to, for kids to engage or not engage. But we're yeah. saying we're, we're offering this again. This is a banquet. We're offering this to you. Take what you want. You know, that kind of thing. So now we're at a point where we we have a three step process. That yeah, let's talk out. about that. Mm -hmm. so, so the first step is inside out, and this was the, the very root of I am more. So we teach them how to be researchers of their lives. So we mm -hmm. get them. I love that. Yeah. So I I I, I um I'm. I've learned so much since I'm in school and since I'm getting my dissertation, like what, how can I give kids some of these tools that I've learned that have been so helpful to me to yes. kind of frame my own programming. So anyway, um, so inside out, we're, we're giving them research skills to say, let's look at the data, right? And then let's look at how you analyze that data, right? So if you're looking at the trauma and we help you reframe it to say, you know, this experience that you had that taught you compassion. Mm -hmm. um, this other experience that you had, if you had someone that was like in a refugee camp when you grew up and they died because they didn't get medical care. Well, don't you think that that might be informing why you want to go into the medical field? Because you mm -hmm. want to save people? Because you want mm -hmm. to stop people from experiencing what this person you know experienced? You know, it's getting them to connect the dots. And where else are they having that kind of, that education that someone... Right walk them through okay this is this is what led to this and this is this is what shaped you to become who you are so you know what you're doing is you're reframing this total negative thing i'm such a victim this happened to me to this happened to me and it taught me all this wisdom about this it taught me about this it taught me i could stand up on my own two feet it taught me that i could you know stretch a, a bag of noodles so far because there was nothing else you know it taught me something that is going to help me in my life. And so giving them that kind of framework mm -hmm. really allows them to put down some of their defenses, release some of their anger, um, you know, so it, it's just tr inside out transformational process. So that's the very okay. first thing that we do. The, and then we have, we, we developed an outside up process. And this is what we did through the internship. So now we're gonna have you take your lens that was now internal and we're gonna have you take it outside of yourself and look around you and say, well, what is it that I see that I feel is unjust and sh that I could change? That's how Rose came up with the 
you know, let me put menstrual cycle things because yes. this is something that affects me and I know it affects other young ladies. So mm-hmm. how do you resolve that? So we're asking them to look outside of yourself and what is it that you can commit to making a change that will affect other people's lives? And okay. so that's the outside up. Right. So it's mm-hmm. the youth participatory research, you know, that has been around since the 70s in the United States, but we're actually putting it within a framework. So it's not just that it's it's, it's sandwiched within other things that make a difference. And are there are there skills then that you have to teach too about oh, yeah. like, how do you add how do you advocate effectively? Well, or something, not yeah. just that, but then research skills, like what is data? How do you collect it? Sure. How do you analyze it? You know, how do you report it out? You know, absolutely. And mm-hmm. then in, in the process of all this is, yes. So how do you then use your voice, right? Mm-hmm. And different ways. And this brings us to the up and beyond. So this is the third step. The up okay. and beyond is creating spaces where then whatever you have learned, this wisdom that you've learned about yourself, about your community, about your family, that you're then sharing it with a wider audience. So whether that is through a song or a poem or a rap, and and we also gave kids, not I, I shouldn't call them kids, young people, young youth leaders, you yeah, know, yeah, tell their personal storytelling through fashion. So which was pretty amazing. No and kidding. It was an idea of a young person that we work with who was really, really beautiful girl, but she was short, but she's always wanted to be a model. And she kept getting adults saying, you're too short, you're too this, you're too that, blah, blah, blah. And, but she always had it in her heart, right? Mm-hmm. So it was her idea, let's do a fashion show, but let's do it differently. Let's use the different outfits to explain different aspects of our lives and how you could see our growth through the fashion. It was mind blowing. It no was kidding. So that's I don't know if you see that's that's actually the video is available on, on, on our website. I'm gonna check it out. Yeah, so um so these kinds of platforms we seek out ways for youth to tell their story and we pay them because now they're the experts of their own lives. Now they're giving wisdom to other people, so it changes their 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 sense of like this is really important because now I'm getting paid for it. <laughs> Yeah, like there is there is something right about having like monetary value placed yeah. on the effort that you're that you're putting out there. Yes. And that's it's and work that's thing, too, because we had youth who were, I don't know what to ask, how, you know, somebody has asked me to give a poem and I stay on them. If you did it for free, I'm going to get on your case about that. <laughs> somebody is taking advantage of you and you're letting them. Right. Mm. So they went from, I don't think, you know, maybe I'm not worthy to, yeah, this is, this is my fee. And this is the other, I want a bottled water. I want, you know, this, I want that. That is and, Renee, that is a life skill that so many of us are not taught. Yes. Yeah. I wasn't taught it. And it took no. me a long time to, to come to that point. So now I'm all of these uh, things that I've learned late in life, I'm trying to invest into them at an early age. Mm. So this this is, uh, so when I talk about the unfolding, you know, mm. and all, of course, with the research aspect of it, going back to these youth and saying, okay, what what is what is it that really affected you the most? What What is the secret sauce that if you took this away, that I am more would not be I am more? And getting all this feedback, not only from my dissertation, but how I'm shaping the program, mm-hmm. we're coming up with a, a, a see me 
I am here. So C S E E uh, Inc. All caps. Me. Period. I am. Period. Because anything after I am really defines how you feel about yourself and how you're moving through the world, right? Mm. And then so that I am. Period. And then here H E A R. Like hear me. Hear me. Mm. Right. So um, putting all our program within that kind of structure, where not only within the cohort model, because we know that works and builds community and is so needed, especially in these times, yes. but also bringing in people who could teach these life skills, such as like, how do you, how do you, because um, I've, I've run into students who don't know how to write a check. They don't know how to address an envelope. Like, let's bring, That's real. teach them real life skills. Yeah. But also, how do you open up a checking account? How do how do you d determine how to get your credit report? You know, and and how do you buy a car? How do you, how do you you know the need for insurance? And how do you know how to be able to change a tie? All that stuff. Are you talking about taxes? Because nobody ever told me how to do taxes. <laughs> Absolutely. We're also yeah. going to teach them how to create an LLC because what we want to do with this programming, the, the three-step programming, is have them create their brand. So mm -hmm. if there's wisdom, like how to get rid of your labels, the weight of the labels that other people put on you, or how to really love yourself, or how to embrace your culture, whatever message that you have, how do you put that into something that reflects your brand, whether it's a t-shirt, whether it's a box of affirmations, things that are connected to who you are and your yeah. journey that other people can then buy or access. So you now have a brand. So you need to create an LLC that mm. will, that will, that will save you some taxes and you put that, you know, <laughs> so all of that stuff is now yeah. a part of, it's not just youth development. It's, it's, it's just like person development, like for sure. Yeah. You're just creating adults. That's what you're doing. Creating and you're teaching them all of these unspoken not not talked about, not taught yes. skills that all of us are just kind of winging it, you know, out here. And right. so you've created what you're what you're saying is that you're overtly, explicitly telling kids, students, youth leaders, that they are going to need this. They're going to need these skills. They're going to need to know how to do this in order to be able to navigate the world. And you're yes. being really strategic and, you know. I think that's really great. It, oh, thank you. I'm, I'm loving the work. And the thing is, we would not have come to this point unless we took steps. Some that didn't work, some that did work, and then yeah. in. And then how do we reframe things that make it even stronger? And so um, at the end of this, they'll have their LLC. They'll have their checking account. They'll have the skills. They'll also have a video that we're going to create that's sort of a mixture between TED, TED, TED Talk and mm -hmm. Masterclass. Like, sure. So they will include their videos of, of their just everyday life, their old pictures. And, and in a very short, maybe three, five-minute thing, this is their, this is now theirs, right? Yeah. And so, um, I think it's really, I think the other part of it that I really like a lot is that, um, the foundation of it is just about, uh, reframing their own identity yes. away from negative stereotypes or negative, um, uh, circumstances right. and teaching them that, in spite of or because of right. the things that they've experienced, the history that they bring with them, there's value in in the lessons that they have that they carry around with them. I think that's wonderful. And I think that that's something that everyone can do for students in schools. You know, I think it's something that that every student would would 
come away with uh, a new perspective, um, a way of celebrating themselves when there are times when they can't. And, um, and also it gives, it would give teachers um, a way of connecting and building those relationships with their students that they otherwise maybe wouldn't during the day, you know, starting those conversations and asking students, tell me your story. Let's talk about how, what that means for you as a student. What do you bring to my classroom? I think that's really powerful. But that also involves some training because what I, oh, yeah. (laughs) So yeah, even some pre-training because what I have found out in doing this work and in facilitating some of the workshops that have come out of I Am More is that we provide workshops for educators and for parents called Educator Heal Thyself, Parent Heal Thyself, because as adults, it's not a trauma-free zone. And the things that we have experienced in our childhood, if we haven't processed it, it's gonna keep coming up and triggering us. And we, if we, unless we develop some consciousness about why we're being triggered, Mm-hmm. whether it's with our children, with our students, with our colleagues, we will not heal ourselves. Mm-hmm. And if we cannot authentically take kids through this journey without having gone through it ourselves. So when I say the pre-training, that's what that, we would take those who want to commit to this level of transformation in their students, they have to go through their own transformation, which is what I had to do for me to be mm-hmm. very authentic and also to know what are the things that I went through? Because there were a whole lot. I mean, uh, sexual abuse, domestic violence, abandonment, you know, my parent dying, all, you know, all of this stuff I had not processed yeah. until maybe five years ago or so, you know, fully really understood how has this shaped me? And everything that I went through has led me to I am more. Like I authentically understand why what this process can do because i had to go through it myself and that's the thing that i'm gonna that i'm gonna require from teachers not to just take this programming and run with it as like an add-on thing but it Mm -hmm. really has to come from a pedagogy of love Mm -hmm. you really have to care about developing these students as human beings who will be our leaders we talk about youth are the future but it's just like a slogan we don't really believe it we don't really prepare them for that and so we feel like this is what is going to prepare them no matter what their career might be no matter whether they go to college or not they are forever changed to make an impact in the world and so that's that's what i'm you know that's my life purpose at this point and everything kind of unfolded including you know being able to come to the U of O and get my doctorate degree and graduating soon this is all all connected yeah it helped me going through the process of the just you know the research and the getting my degree of understanding the 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 importance of uh, of research and what did the scholars Mm -hmm. say you know what is my north star and how is that connected to uh what the research says about what is needed you know and all that all that um so we definitely have theories that we're based on the relational cultural theory that we find ourselves in relationship with other pe- people, which also goes to this um, this African phrase "Ubuntu, I am because you are, because we are." We're like we find our humanity in the process of being around other humans. 
Mm -hmm. So having that, you know, relational cultural theory and then the critical youth empowerment theory is, you know, we need community, we need parents, we need teachers, we need youth um, and, you know, to empower and, um, and develop. And so when youth feel safe, then they engage. So they have to have certain things in order for them for empowerment to, to uh, happen. And also the critical uh, race theory. So when we're working with youth, we have to make sure that their culture is honored and centered, right? And so that also has to be a part of it because what my research is, is, is uh, found, the scholars are saying, in particular black youth, that si schools are a site of black suffering. Um, because there is this unconscious bias, because of all of this weight that's on them, that they come in with trauma, their trauma is added to them. And so you have to acknowledge how culture plays a part in who they're becoming. And um, so critical race theory is also part of our, our grounding, our th theoretical grounding. Um, and so then we toss in the social emotional learning, trauma-informed practices, social justice frameworks, and also ancestral wisdom. Like what is what 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 have your ancestors gone through to be able to you know tap into resiliency? We can use you can each of us can use that to go back and fetch some of the wisdom, some of the resiliency, some of the our ability to overcome. Um, and then use that to, you know, kind of propel us forward. So all of those things, I, I can't imagine, you know, doing this kind of programming without those kinds of theories, without the, those kinds of, you know, um, added programming. And then the critical consciousness is raising their consciousness about how, what their role is in society, how they can yeah. impact and empower other people. Because every student who comes through us, then, we, we were, we, yeah, we say it's, you know, required because we rise by lifting others, but there's also this within their heart, they want to help empower other people. That's all, that's what our theory of change is all about, mm -hmm. is that when we feel like we are grounded in our power, then we want to empower. But first we have to get clear with ourselves about what our purpose is and what our potential is and that we have agency. And then that gives us the confidence to go out and be able to empower others. And so we're finding that that's happening over and over and over again. Even if we don't say anything, that's what naturally comes out of this. This is why we developed that theory of change. I'm really inspired by the way that you have taken your own experiences and that you're now using it as a way to empower younger folks and you're giving them a gift that you received later in life so that they can they can have it now and yeah. um and they can do all of that good work now so that their futures are even brighter and more powerful um i also so i'm wondering what what's next so you just finished did you do your data collection on um for your dissertation i'm in the process of doing that now I'm, yeah it's a very uh heavily qualitative uh, approach. And sounds so, like it, right? You're using story. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So we're, we're, we're collecting the data of like the stuff on our website, our brochures, our philosophies and, and all of that. And then interviewing the young people about what their experiences have been. Um, all their, you know, we always encourage reflection in journal writing. So they we're collecting all their journal entries. And then I'm also having youth help me analyze the data. So in everything I do, I'm always engaging. Bringing them along. 
exactly mm -hmm. because these mm -hmm. are skills that they could build on who knows maybe they might want to go and get their doctorate degree one day and this won't be foreign to them as far as this process absolutely so, right and this is also how i how i first got interested in research i was uh um as a domestic violence survivor i had created this program to help other people um get access to services and so um out of that came the, the possibility of engaging in a community-based participatory research project. I had never done that, but with people with from um, OHSU and Portland State, they were like the, the principal investigators and they mm -hmm. brought community people in. And so we were part of uh, being able to, to lower the depression scores of, of survivors of domestic violence. And that was like, whoa, we did that because all we, we created you know, opportunities and trainings and, and I did events and it was like, this is, I love creativity. So I could do this and it's like research. Oh, and yeah. you're changing and you're changing people's lives, you're changing people's lives. It, it totally opened me up. And so mm -hmm. this is why I feel like it's so important to give people access to something because you never know whether it's going to lead because yeah. that experience years ago. And I was in that research project for seven years that kind of opened up my heart and my mind to move again closer to I am more. Mm -hmm. you know? So everything to me is connected. And this is how I work with the young people. I help them understand how to connect things that they might feel are, oh, that happened there, that happened there. No, they're all connected to, you know, who we're becoming. Absolutely. Well, they're all experiences that happened to you that you were a part of. And so you have to, there is a, there's a line that runs right through our bodies, you know, through our experiences. And so you have to, I think it's great that you're pointing that out for, for younger people. Um, so I know that you are all over this internet, but you need to tell all the people, you need to tell all of our listeners where they can find out more information about the good work that you're doing. Where can okay. they find it? Well, I have a personal website um, that is Renee Mitchell Speaks at uh, Renee Mitchell Speaks.com. My email mm -hmm. is the same, Renee Mitchell Speaks at Yahoo.com. And then the programming that we were, we were, we've been talking about is I am more resilient.com. And um, because I wanted to figure out a way in, in the age of social distancing to also engage <laughs> in something, um, we started the uh, Spreading the Black Joy Virus campaign. Uh, this came out of, you know, I was feeling when the pandemic first hit, I was anxious, not sleeping, not eating, you know, just doing, just, just not really processing it very well, right? Mm -hmm. And so then I had to step back and say, well, what do I want? You know, because we're fighting against all this stuff, including a virus and including, you know, doing these marches and social justice and all of that was necessary. But what do I really want? Like, I want joy. I want to yes. be able to, you know, laugh. I wanted to be able to enjoy my life. And so unless I create it for other people, then then you know, it's not, it's not an authentic kind of um, creation of joy. So I um, work with some of these young people to create this intergenerational uh, project that invests joy into the black community. Uh, because with all of the, the protests and the death, and it just felt like there was this heaviness and I wanted to be able to offer something different. 
And so it started out with this little thing and then it just like, woo, because it's it spread. Involved. Yes, it's it, the, the, the kind of projects that we were doing really increased. And so, um, yeah, so they can find out more information about that at www.spreadingblackjoy.com. Just really simple. simple. All of the, the projects listed and click it and find out more. So. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for joining us today, Renee. This has been really wonderful to talk about the work that you're doing, and I wish you all the luck with your dissertation and beyond. Oh, thank you. I, I appreciate yeah. that. This has been a great conversation, and I hope people get in touch and yeah. uh, learn more. Thanks so much. Mm -hmm.